The following episode of the Carnival of Randomness is sponsored by an important message to you, the people from Upsitnik and Associates. Every day there are forces that are taking from you, stealing from you. Your money, your time, your freedom. Immense faceless corporations, banks, credit card companies, insurance providers, government agencies, this list goes on and on. When you are under attack and facing crisis, turn to us, Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for you, the people. When every day becomes a battle, we can advise and assist. We have been advocates for 40 years. Email us through UpsitniksLaw.com or call us at 1-866-391-3299 or reach out to us through Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook for a prompt, no obligation, communication and consultation. Don't be pushed around. Hi, welcome now to the Carnival of Randomness. Once again, we are in the reality zone for another Regionomics, and we have an issue here as Jeff, being Jeff, just decided to go off to Erie PA and purchase a lacrosse team. I thought he was going there as a representative for the New York State Board of Tourism to well, get the people rumor to come is to New York and the other visit. Guy- the other gothic toad guys have gone down to try to get him because rumor is that our dear governor is going to try to build a wall to keep Jeff out of New York. <laughs> so, well, so hopefully they will get him and he will be back. But in his honor, and we are joined, luckily, by the second president of the United States, John Adams, Thank who's you. looking pretty damn good getting on to like to be like 200 and whatever the hell you are. And <laughs> hey, it's fitting lives. because it's like Memorial Day time and summertime to have the next president on who I'd still take over Jimmy Carter, and he looks better than Jimmy Carter at his age. But we're Thankfully. going to dedicate this one, and we're going to call this Regionomics, Episode 3, The Search for Bauman. Where is he? Where is know. he? But actually, you brought <laughs> up a know. point we'll just kick off with about how ethical this state is. Oh, yeah. oh God. Well, I missed this one. What was this? Karen DeWitt just reported this morning, or yesterday, about how the state government ethics panel was voted to be one of the worst in the nation. <laughs> surprise, surprise. What, That's a the New one York thing ethics about... panel was deemed not worthy? Uh, oh. Something about lack of transparency. <laughs> Words you don't really want to well, hear. Well, one of the things that got me, okay, there's all the big kerfuffle in Alabama, and it's not, for me, I'm not talking about abortion, which side you're on, but a lot of people up here have been gnashing their teeth about it, and I'm looking going, okay, Alabama's schools are ranked so much better than ours. <laughs> well... Uh, it's interesting how New York State has poured so much money into their educational system, and we continue to elect people like Governor Cuomo. And all the rest I, of them. Yeah, and all the rest of them. The legislature. But the thing about it, I always say this is the problem with the system. It's the old platonic thing. Hi, I'm smart. But who watches the watchman? Who guards the guardsman? And when you're letting these people police themselves, <sighs> that's why you get a judge who can get banned make 180 grand for doing nothing last for years because they're watching themselves because they don't want to get busted themselves look how how it takes so long to take these characters down whereas if any of us did this stuff yeah, it'd be instant cya yep cya cover your ass and i think that's the problem with it and oh we're going to be open we're going to be ethical well it's interesting in this report from karen dewitt uh, one of the statements in it was that there was a recent meeting that was scheduled for four hours, and out of the four hours, only 12 minutes of it was made public. <laughs> what? I, and, and they were the talking about, what is this, the Watergate? I, I'm sorry, did I hear that right? 12 minutes out of four hours yes, was made correct. available? And okay. what they were speaking about in that 12-minute period of time 
was the renovations of offices in Buffalo and New York City for the commission. Oh, good. Absolutely nothing to do with ethics or oversight. Well, this is how crookery works. Well, there was one town years ago. One of the members on the town board lost his job. So what they did, they planned a clandestine meeting around 8 o'clock at night on 4th of July, <laughs> which was open to the public, but gee, who's going to know about it? Yeah, right. And they voted themselves pay raises. Isn't that special? And then they would find, like, I guess people tried <clears throat> to find the minutes, which were stored in the library, and they were missing. Isn't that weird how shit just randomly disappears like that? The exact shit that you need just happens to not be there anymore. Well, it's amazing. The transparency issue, which it is absent in New York State government, transparency. They talk about transparency. They talk about trying to make a better a better uh, mousetrap when it comes to state government here in New York State. And yet we have constant and never-ending reminders that there's lots and lots of closed doors, information that goes on that we do not have access to, and decisions are made that we will find out sometimes weeks or months later what they were. And the bottom line is that we continue to go down this spiraling towards the ground airplane type path where New York State is just voted worse on or the top of the list of number the worst one things. For ta- hey, we are number one for taxes. They, oh. We're number one, dude. And we were Jesus. voted least transparent um, in the nation. Cato has uh, voted us the least free state in the union. And all of that stuff is sort of old news at this town, but we we continue to vote the same people into office over and over well, again. One of my favorite ones is uh, Governor Cuomo goes off about Donald Trump, and here I'm not defending Donald Trump's think what you want of him, like him, don't like him, whatever else. But I remember it was kind of funny. He's going on about, I, I, I hate Trump, he's hate, hate, hate. Uh, Governor, well, then why did you take 64000 in campaign contributions from him? Are you going to give it back? No. Yeah. <laughs> Full transparency. We're not transparent. <laughs> And we'll keep your money. Yeah. Full transparency, <laughs> your money is ours. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's sad, actually. No, it, it's sad to the point of hilarity that just, I mean, you, you see all these people with their grassroots bullshit. Well, we need to make a change. Let's start it. No, start with where you live, not start with the country with the whole federal government that you that doesn't well, really have any direct We had a situation that made you. me proud, whereas on the same day we had one of our councilmen get busted for money laundering. Same day, oh, a, a defrock judge declares she's going to run for assembly. Oh, I and remember. how do you feel about that? I remember like, that can't we do any? Why can't we do any better? Who knows how? Well, I, I think the reason we can't do any better is simply because the people are distracted <coughs> by their lives and you know, which show is hot today? Game of Thrones is most recent, super hot. People pay attention to Game of Thrones like there's like it's going out of style and maybe it's on its last few episodes. It was. It was, and right? I've, I didn't watch it, but I heard people were angry, and it made me laugh. Well, and the funny thing is that as soon as Game of Thrones is over, people are going to be watching for the next big show yeah. to binge watch. But local government continues to, you know, tread roughshod on people, and plow their way through life, you know, plow their way through towns and villages. Nobody pays attention. When I say nobody, I mean that figuratively. Nobody pays attention to what's happening in local government. State government is out of control. But the most voted type of elections are the national elections when you have a president at stake, where that really affects us in a very little way, most of all. 
And well, sadly, like in the state of New York, okay, pretty much you can vote, say you're Republican, Libertarian, whatever you are. Uh, most likely the Democrat's going to carry New York, so it's almost like your vote doesn't matter. Doesn't really. And I want to take a little issue and see what you really think of this while, while they're looking for Jeff. One of Jeff's ideas <laughs> is that you vote, and you always vote. One of the things I was going to ask him, and I'll ask him if they ever find him again, is, okay, you have clown number one and clown number two, so why should I endorse one of these idiots now I could vote for another party if somebody else is running, but why should I just rubber stamp some guy I'm not going to like? Right. And you're sort of making a choice should. by not voting in a way because you're saying I'm very upset with the system. Well, because that's the thing what people don't realize is that not voting is a vote in a way. It just doesn't seem like it because hmm. that's a throwback to the Rush song. Yeah. yeah. That's where you think I got it from, <laughs> damn it. You, you know, Neil, my philosopher. But one of the things also talking about voting if you look at a lot of these candidates, these people in office that we're not too thrilled with, they're in because of like certain things like primaries where maybe under 20%, under 10% oh. of the electorate voted them in. Our illustrious mayor won the primary with there was a 17% turnout. Wow. 17% It was turnout. that high? 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour is just too long to take out of your life to affect local government. And then you think oh, about man. you get some candidate, and how did this character get in? Well, well, did you go vote against him? Huh? Yeah. Wait, what's voting? Oh, okay. Well, what's the solution, though? I mean, New York State is really on a poor path. Many other states are on the same type of path. California is right behind us. Ooh. Oh, yeah, they're... And so what's the solution? Well, one of the things I was going to say, Zach had a good idea point, too. Oh. Should there be a requirement that an elected official actually fucking worked? Yes. <laughs> a, a lovely, dear friend of mine, she said to me the other day, she said... Um, when you come to power, here's one of the first things you need to do. Mandate that all politicians have to have had an actual job. Mm. Because there's a certain politician in the New York City area who went from being a, med- a minimum wage bartender to the 1% in the blink of an eye. It's so it's too and, stupid for me. <laughs> and now we see how that's working out. Did you ever see the meme for this darling or dear Kavisakashio about they said... Well, they had a special thing in Congress. When the Mueller report comes out, they're going to do one in the form of a coloring book so she can understand it. <laughs> well, then, but it's embarrassing then when you get somebody like that. But that's the case again when you get somebody in there for for people, some reason. You can argue against me, but I think she's pretty stupid. It doesn't know economics yeah, at all. But she has an economics degree somehow. Well, but she doesn't understand how economics works. Well, that's sort of the reason academia has a poor reputation among people who live and work in the real world, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Because you can talk about theories all day long and write papers on it and get into the nooks and crannies of, of the specializations. That doesn't mean you know what it is, even if you have a degree that says you've gone through four to six years worth of school for it. Or as Bluto Blutarski said, you know, 10 years of college down the drain. But <laughs> Might as well join the fucking you don't Peace need Corps. To read, you don't need to read any books. You don't need to do anything. Just Google back to school and watch Rodney Dangerfield's part of the economics class. Because if you have not seen this, have you ever seen this? I have. I'll send you the clip, actually. Back to school? Get, yeah. Yes, yeah. I've seen When that. he schools the guy and he gets in business class. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works at all. Yeah. <laughs> because there's this, this real pompous professor going on about all these things, and now you understand Rodney's character. Oh, i got to grease the local politician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rodney's character's <laughs> really done this, so he's like, well, what's a widget? Uh, what? It's a fictional product. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Tell that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to grease. Then you got to work off the unions. Yeah, well, for those gonna, little problems well, that always pop up. We're going to sell your product. 
How about Fantasyland? <laughs> and that's how, but that's a real illustration of how it works. It, it's sad. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm sort of mentoring a young woman who's out west to become a business owner. And we were talking politics. On, as a side note, I'm a libertarian. She's a social democrat. And my statement to her was, I will only say to you this one thing on these politics, and that's you're going to stay a social democrat until you become an owner, and that will change at that point. Did you ever hear there's a, there's a, there's a very good book by, it's called, by Peter Robinson. It's called Snapshots from Hell, and it's about Stanford Business School. And he said he's going to these luncheons, and everybody's a Democrat. Everybody's a liberal. And he said, he's talking, well, everybody, this guy actually was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. He comes from that. Okay. He's going around. Why, you know, everybody, and, these, and one guy talks to him as alumni, goes, wait 10 years, and everybody's going to be, because you get in the real world and you start running a business. Like, ask her, okay, now, are you going to give your stuff away? Now, when you get a property, you're going to say no? Right. It's sad because she's one of the hardest working people I know, yeah. and she runs a great business right now. She's in management, looking to be an owner, and she works very hard, cares a lot for her team. However, it's misdirected, Right. So she doesn't understand that the opportunity that she has in front of her is because there's an incentive to get there. And yet, if you start handing things out for free, there's really no opportunity to perform to get it because it's going to get to you anyway, correct? Yeah, this is the idea of capitalism, creative destruction, which means you advance things, you do something different, you think of things. And if you just entitle, if you tell people, okay, sweep the floor, then you go, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sweep the floor, but I'm gonna pay you. Who's gonna sweep the floor? You know. Well, how many times have we seen it when somebody will throw something at the trash can, completely miss, and say, well, it's not my job to pick that up. <laughs> I'm not paid to, to do that. Like, and man. I just want to throttle those people. And I think, yeah, unfortunately, you do. Like, man, and we on. could talk a little bit about this. One of the things I have a lot of frustration with, I deal with my dad and going through insurance, trying to get things. And oh, he's worked Jesus. all his life. And then I'll see people. I'm having all these problems. I have my own problem with insurance because of the various things I do. And then I'll see people who are on either some kind of disability. Yes, it's, it's how did they get them? There's one guy I'm talking about. He comes to a place my dad goes, and he'll brag about, well, I went hiking. I just put in my new deck, but mm. it can't work. Yeah, but aren't you on disability for, like, a, a debilitating back yeah. injury? Yeah. I know very little about that, uh, except that I have a relation that goes back 30-plus years who has only had two jobs in her life and for very limited periods of time that she's had those jobs has applied for disability and for SSI, but never was able to get to the point of getting it because she wouldn't show up to appointments. She just felt it was an entitlement type thing. <laughs> and she's perfectly capable of physically working, but upstairs between the ears, a complete disaster. And I don't really know what the solution to that is. At what no. point do you say, okay, this person maybe needs a little hand up? And at what point do you say, they need to get their teeth kicked yeah, in. Yeah, and I always and, and get I always to work. believe in that. I'm always don't get me wrong, ever. I always believe like people need help and to give a helping hand. But I also think, especially now, we have a system that just caters. It's like bizarre world, mm. and it just lets all the freeloaders and everything do it. Well, that's what I don't understand. Like as a business owner, why are you punished for your success? Ask Governor Cuomo about that. You know, well, they, but that's ask the thing. Governor, how, if you consider New York a business, look how well you run that into the yeah, ground. Yeah, but I mean, you think about it. Somebody can work hard, bust their ass, work countless hours of overtime, miss spending time with their family, 
And then they get punished by having their money taken and given to someone else who doesn't want to work. Mm -hmm. Not that can't work, but doesn't want to. Only half of our population works. That's a pretty small number. That's sad. But one thing I want to bring up, and you just sort of touched on it, is recently in the news, one of our oldest restaurants, Antoinetta's, Mm. is taking a break for the summer. And this is well known. It's down by J Street. I guess they're known for their red sauce, and it's a popular destination for celebrities. And I heard they have spectacular lasagna. Yes. And mm. I know it was a meeting place back in the old days, Johnny Antonelli, Carmen Bifacilio, and Jerry Seinfeld came in and ate there when he was here. And they're closing for the summer. And, it's not, and the problem was they can't get good help. <laughs> they can't get anybody to show for an interview, And basically. they don't want to... Oh, yeah, they, they you don't, were talking yeah, about they that don't the want to have a lower quality of service for their customers, so they're trying to hire people. And you said there's like, what's it called, the ghost hire percentage, something like that? That's your percentage of ghosting. You know, when you schedule an interview with a person or a series of people, how many of them actually show to the interview? Well, I know that in our business, we can schedule 20 interviews and we'll have two or three people show. That's just a really high percentage of ghosting. They don't even call or text or email to say, I will not be there. I don't see, I don't get the whole rune. I had a thing where I had my dog's vet appointment. So I go in there, this really obnoxious couple comes in, and then I get taken to the back room, and the secretary says, look, they had the appointment there before you, but I'm taking you first because this is the fourth time they've called. They didn't show up three times, and they're late for this one. Wow. Now, what the heck... It's like, I think if you make it, if you can't go, you call. Yes. Yeah. It, that's yeah. just common courtesy because it's screwing over. Except for Bauman, wherever the hell. Well, that's, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> but he's Bauman. He, you know. But actually, on the hiring thing, I know somebody who was trying to hire employees at one time. And he said he would get guys coming in making all these ridiculous demands. You know, like, I want... You know, twenty dollars an hour and paid vacation. It's like, dude, what the hell do you think you're applying for? It's a wall. My old job at the factory, I was getting nineteen bucks an hour. Like, well, why the hell aren't you still working at the factory? <laughs> and also, I've heard, you know, like, let, let, that, I've heard, that's an honest question. If you're making that much good money, why are you not there no more? Oh, I've had like there's one character I've known about. Like he's been treated. One of the things he did was he, he wanted he wanted the signing bonus of like five thousand to start working, <laughs> and the other one was he wanted the extra money when he showed up because he proved he was conscientious by coming into work. Oh, impressive. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so you have to be rewarded by, oh, he, he did good. He came in today. But I've heard that all over. I was in one of those oh home, like, gardening stores one time, and a guy was swamped in there. And I was talking to him, what's going on? Don't you have any help? And he says, dude, people we hire, they just don't show up. It's amazing. Well, I think that some of the thrust of this conversation is that many people, the millennial generation is is 80 million people in America. And there's a lot of really hardworking millennials. I know many of I them. I do too. However, it's got a terrible reputation as a generation and somewhat well-deserved reputation as a generation. And that generation grew up in the time of Mark Zuckerberg and is watching Amazon become huge and become and world world dominant power exactly and, it, and the view is that it's pushing a few buttons on a computer and suddenly you're wealthy you know you just you create a, a landing page and you've got this massive billion dollar idea pushing a couple of buttons which takes us to the conversation of the lack of tradesmen who are who even want to come to work i should say want to be a part of that 
type of environment, it's real work. You get your hands dirty. You get calluses doing that type of thing. Right, exactly. Well, I can, they I'm need not, a I'm safe not, space now. I'm not going to do my sob story, but <laughs> when I, I grew up, music. I can yep. even say this. My one feeling. When I grew up, me and my friends would go around the neighborhood when we were kids. we knock on doors, and we'd just say, hey, you need the grass cut? You need some chores done or anything? did it all the time. Then I got a paper route, and then... Something a couple kids were lazy on the street. They'd call us. Well, you know, you're selfish because we'd be able to buy like our ices and stuff. But I remember, like, yeah, how dare you but spend I remember your money? That one you of the things was things. my first car, which is a piece of shit old Camaro that the door that it would leak. The door wouldn't close. I'd hold the door on the expressway. But damn it, I saved my money up and I bought that myself. And, and you I cared really for it proud. after you had it. Yes, yeah, well, it, 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 but it was. I still remember it was my version of the Millennium Falcon. But then I'll see. Okay, switch fast forward to my neighborhood. Kids graduate from high school and their parents buy them a new car. What happened to that car a year or two later? The reality is that many people are given things by their parents. And I think that parents are totally fine rewarding their children for good behavior and for good things. However, there is a rub there which says that if you don't work for something, you don't care for it nearly as much, right? You know what? That's... Yeah, because if you're given something, there's no motivation to keep it nice because, yeah. well, what the hell? You didn't pay for it. Yeah. That's yeah, a, but I'll bet you you're, you're that Camaro. You, I had whether, fun. I mean, it was. Be that as it was, you probably watched that son of a oh, bitch like a yeah. hawk. It was great. It's, well, it's fault, but it oh, was, right. you know, I kept it. But, I, but it was mine. You know, I worked for it. I got it. And I was proud of it. It's like, damn it, this is mine. My piece of shit. I read a story at Reader's Digest, not that I want to admit to reading Reader's Digest. Hey, nothing when I was, Reader's Digest. When I was very young, like maybe 14 or 15 years old, and it was a story about a gentleman whose daughter was turning 16, and she wanted a car. So he bought her a Corvette. Well, he then had a mechanic take that Corvette entirely apart in his garage, and it was just a pile of parts. And he told his daughter, if you want this Corvette, you and I will work to put this back together, and after it's complete and functioning, it will be yours. And she did it. And she had that Corvette for 15 years. Yeah, because of the work, the literal blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and this was also, I had thing. the period, I remember, because when you're a young kid, especially a boy, like, you get into the, you know, get your hot rod magazines, want everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, oh, Dad, I want a car, I want a car. And I was happy to a friend of mine, too, so he got me a car. He goes, he got me a Matchbox car. He said, you want one? Go get a job and buy one <laughs> right and i remember i would be now be oh no it's abuse yeah exactly it wasn't that like I what do you think of like that i mean they use that term snowflake and stuff and one thing scared me about the last election where hate trump love them love whoever yeah. whatever when you're seeing supposed college students our future freaking out into safe rooms because yeah, of your presidential that, candidate to not win that was a good one and they they actually had to pull it down off the website because they caught a lot of flag it was at the university of michigan law school really not the undergraduate they said well we have the post-election safe space with bean bags and play-doh and you can come and express your feelings like what are these people going like, to do? This is a fucking law school. Well, we had now. I'll mention. <laughs> and and like they a, pulled it down. I'm not after... even going to mention the name of it because well, I'm, I'm embar- going to mention no, it. No, no, the one because I because I know because I'm embarrassed because I went there for, <laughs> for oh, grad was it school. You, was it U of R? Uh, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I went there too. I went there a lot. And I found out to think, <laughs> okay, this bitches. is supposed to be almost like a such a good school. I found out that they were doing slinky therapy. <laughs> are you fucking kidding? Slinky therapy. Why am I still paying those assholes? 
Well, it, it's it's kind of funny when you think about that story from the law school with bean bags and safe spaces and such. What are these people going to do when they become attorneys and they're working at the public defender's office and a prosecutor chews them up in a courtroom? Right. How is that going to affect are they, them? Are they going to have to go and need their PTSD training? Well, one thing I've heard, I've read, like you read from a lot of businesses, read about a lot of businesses, and they'll ask them about the quality of people that get out of college, and they'll say they want the big job that pays a lot, they're very bad at listening, they have very bad skills, and they're very. And the thing happens, they're pampered in college. They take watered-down courses. They take a lot of crap courses that you have You no leave need basket for. weaving out of hey, this. unless you're going to go into basket weaving. Underwater basket weaving. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it's a You do that, major. so then, you, okay, I got a job, I got a job. Ah, and then, he mean to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said I had to work. Yeah. That's why you're paid. You're doing something chances are you don't want to do. That's why they give you money to incentivize you to come do it. But there's a thing, too, where they said you have to learn. I've read some good articles about how you have to learn the whole idea about the idea that works work. And mm. one congressman, Charlie Rangel from New York, actually used to do try to hire people in this district and get them jobs. And he said, like, after six months, they'd all be out of jobs. Mm. And he'd say, well, what happened? Oh, those guys, they were racist. They were horrible. You know, you had to come in and punch in every day, and actually you were expected this time. Amazing. That's goddamn Nazis. So I, I think part of the solution is that we need to reframe this concept of what it is to go to work for people because the the narrative that has been talked about for many, many years at this point is that you can become a rap star or a sports star or you can punch a few buttons on a computer and become very, very wealthy doing that. Whereas the reality is that most work is really work. 95 to 98% of the time, it's pure toil that you don't love to do, right? With people you often don't love to do it with. People you wouldn't even invite into your home. And and the 2 to 5% of the time, it's blissful or joyful because you've accomplished something real. But it's such a small percentage I had of your a dude, time. I had a dude at Kodak when I worked there, and I felt sorry for this guy because I always think you have to try to better your situation. I would come in every day, come in, oh, I hate this place, 25 more years. And I'm thinking if this guy probably got kicked out by now because they got rid of so many people. But how do you go through life like that? Well, if you don't like the situation so much, you better find something else. Mm-hmm. Because it's sad how, to be sad. How would you get up every day? I hate this. I hate this. I mean, the money couldn't have been that good for that kind of yeah, hatred. Was, yeah, not, you know, no, but horrible. I mean, still, to, to wake up and actually have to say 25 more years of this, there's no amount of money You're Not wanting to that. go to bed because you don't want to get up and go in the exactly. next day. But one of the things, I admit, I never really liked school that much. And I think one of the things, I think actually a hindrance to getting good employees, you got to have the worthless degree. Hmm. And I think more you should get people, bring them in, train them, show that they have the incentive, well, and, and not worry about the piece of paper. And I think we've touched on this before. It's the practical experience versus the theoretical experience. Well, I, I know exactly where you're going with this, and I am in agreement with the idea that a college degree is often overweighted. However, what is valued by an employer for a, an applicant that has a degree is that they've been able to start, do, and finish something. Right. I'm that, not saying it's completely I hopefully useful. in four years, not ten. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the average New Yorker is, what is it, six to six and a half years to complete that a four-year like degree That was like heard of in my day. It's like literally. Yeah. But did you see the new one now? What? Now they're thinking of passing a law about in New York for racial discrimination based on hair. What? That's, it was just, I just saw it yesterday. It's confusing to me. I don't Explain how, this, yeah, please. how does this work? I guess it's just that 
they can't supposedly people are turned off or you're insensitive because somebody might have like dreadlocks or like the weird hairstyle. Mm. That's too bad. You know, I I like to take people for who they are. I do. That wouldn't bother me. We have people in our, you know, on our team that have dreads, and they're fantastic team members. Yeah. And it would be really sad to find out that there's an individual, and I, you know that they're there. They look at somebody and they, oh, that guy looks like Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, I don't like that guy. I don't think we should hire him. If that person who looks like Sideshow Bob could potentially be the best team member on the team, it's worth having a conversation to start that oh, process. I couldn't care less what they look yeah. like. Yeah, like unless that. you have like a big middle finger tattooed on your forehead. But I also, I don't like the thing also, but well, you have to impressive. hire me or something because yeah. of this. Use it as an excuse. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> you know, that's the thing, too. But one of the things I was going to say, like, I remember you've told some stories about your Lake Avenue experiences. Oh, gosh. And how were some of those? Lake Avenue was it was a special animal, let me tell you that. I worked there supervising several stores in Rochester and running the Lake Avenue store for a little over two years. It was literally one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. <laughs> wow. I Being around the people that were in that store at the time was not healthy. The mentalities that were presented, the behaviors that we had to control – were really off the charts poor. And it, it's sad because you have 2 to 5% of the people. That's, you know, that's a, you talk about the 80 20 rule. I think it's oftentimes 90 10 or 95 5 or 98 2. 2% of the people can ruin an entire area because it makes everybody else afraid. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would. You know, I always said that I always called neighborhoods very precious things. You get like we had a couple neighbors brought in who were renting and they were just, trashing the house, pissing all over out, and it wrecks the whole neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is people start leaving yeah, because yeah. you don't want to be around this and it right. gets worse. Yeah, gentrification happens. The, some people are stuck there. They become poor because they can't pay the higher rents. And then what happens is uh, over time when you have a group of people coming in that's that 2% that ruins an area – you can have the neighborhood entirely collapse in on itself so that nobody worth any real monetary value who will keep up properties will purchase property there unless they're one of the slumlords, right, who purchase property and do minimal repairs on it. So you have these entire neighborhoods that get to the point to where the houses are falling apart, the yards are not cared for, the people who live there don't care for those things because it's not theirs to own, People don't realize it's almost like a socialist system in the city, whereas look at all renting versus owning. Well, in, a lot of neighborhoods, I guess the statistics, there's a lot of, number one, there's a lot of ghost houses where they're just abandoned. It's, it's a sad state of affairs. Uh, my girlfriend used to work for a company that processed the paperwork in foreclosures, and <laughs> the last 10 years has been very, very good for foreclosure paperwork business. I, I would imagine <laughs> It's 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 been uh, it's been something. Hasn't it? For one thing, I'm going to ask: Why libertarian politics? How did you come to this? I I didn't want people telling me what to do. That's the bottom line. I didn't want people telling. Well, what me if what I to said do. you have to be a libertarian? Would you switch? Well, it, you could say whatever you want. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the bottom line is that it would be my choice to be a libertarian. However, when I say I didn't want people telling me what to do, I really comes down to I didn't want the government telling me what yeah. to do, how to do it, when to do it, who to do it with. 
I didn't want one of the things I'm very fond about in libertarian politics is that you have property rights. So if you own something, it's yours. And because somebody else says, I want a piece of that, doesn't give them the right to do that, to have a piece of that. You've worked for it. You have the choice to share it if you want, but they don't have the ability within the principles of the Libertarian Party to come and say, I want some of that or all of it and take it from you. I think if somebody works for something, it's theirs, and they have the right to either keep it I, selfishly or share it I with I use others. my creed a lot of times, personal freedom, personal responsibility. And I like the term once used about socialism where it says it goes out of business because eventually you run out of other people's money to spend. So true. That, that, that's spot on. And you know, you saw one of the big victories was actually Glenn Jacobs, Kane, got elected yeah. mayor. That's yeah. awesome, isn't it? And the what thing the, is now, and, people might laugh thinking this is a wrestler. But have he, you ever heard how brilliant he is? Have he, you heard him? I have. He's he fantastic. does. A, he puts a lot of videos on YouTube. I found one. It was about forty-eight minutes long of him talking about, I think it was Austrian economics. Yeah, it's fantastic. I didn't understand what it was at first, but I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, thing this was, is this is thing really was, interesting. He said, and I and the way I look at it too is I just look at sense. I don't want to use common sense because I wish it was more common. Really. But I just look at things and they make sense. This is how it works. Well, I worked on the campaign for Larry Sharp for governor, his lieutenant governor, Andrew Hollister, last year. And one of the things that Larry was stating very regularly was that we've got to punch a hole in the system. And then if that hole gets punched in the system, somebody's got to go through the hole. And then others have to follow that person through that hole. Hmm. And we just had last week the first victory from that effort. I mean, other than the fact that we had seven times the Libertarian vote in New York State in 2018, and that we now have ballot access as a party, which I think is really fantastic. Deborah Altman, who is a friend of mine in New York City, was elected to the New York City Educational Council. So she's now going to help governor govern the New York City uh, education environment which is fantastic. We now have a libertarian voice on wow. that. And I look at that. One of the analogies big. I use is like high school, where you have like the so-called clique of popular people, and a lot of them probably just grew up together, and really a lot of people don't give a damn, but you have all the other people, and it's really a small percentage, but they seem like they rule the school, but nobody says anything. And actually, one of our teachers when we were seniors got so mad about our clique, she started going on about it. It's like, these people think they're such great. Nobody does anything. And I think a lot of things was just apathy. People, when we graduated, a lot of people just like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm done. I have to see them again. But nobody really does anything, and they just go for the system. And I think one of the appeals of libertarianism, I think it's got the best of both worlds to me. It's like freedom, but it's also mind your own damn business. And there's a responsibility aspect to it. You have to take care of your own life. Yeah. <laughs> Many philosophies well, don't include Because actually... Them. I was listening to, going back to Glenn Jacobs, when he was running for mayor of Knox County, he was talking about what the ideals of the Libertarian Party was and what he wanted to do. And he said, well, it's never good when people have to rely on the government because the government's not going to help you. To, you know, because whenever all you do is just bitch and complain about, oh, they need somebody needs to do something. Well, why don't we do something? You can't rely on somebody else to hopefully come in and fix it the way you want it to. Well, somebody's got to do well, something. Well, what would you think if we yeah. tossed this yeah, around exactly. a lot of times? There's a, there's a big dichotomy a lot of times between, like, the big populous areas and the bur like the ex-burbs and everything else. Where would you, where would you actually think of the idea of having a western New York separated from New York City? I love the idea, personally. I would love to be able to change New York City to be a little bit 
more libertarian. I don't think that that's going to happen. No, but I think no. it's like Churchill's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and mm. over again and thinking you get different results. We keep electing these casts of clowns, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you get rid of one, you get one just as bad, and it's the old good old party machine. And understand this, everybody, a lot of things for the party and government, as we used to call the acronym the PIG, <laughs> party <laughs> government, as they go around looking for candidates, and it's all like this old you know, club of people who've come up who have connections, who have the money. And that's the people who get in. It's not because they're looking for, oh, this person's going to make a really good job. And then after that, all they want to do when they get in office, they don't give a damn. They want to just give away goodies, give away goodies, vote for me, because they want to keep their job indefinitely. Well, and don't you think it's weird, all these people that are sitting there on the Internet saying, oh, I would make a better elected official? Well, why don't you run? Hmm. Why are these people that are already so much better than what we have in office, why aren't they running? No, this is that's the sad part is we're voting with what we're presented with what we have to choose from. And that's, it's that's sometimes a good point. it's not very good. That's a good point. And the, I think that part of that conversation is that the people who would be good at the job don't want to do it. Right. Because they're going to be involved with people they don't want to spend time with and don't appreciate <laughs> they don't appreciate the philosophies that they carry and the and well the the lack of uh, the lack of transparency on these boards and, and, and offices that happen where it's sort of a mafioso. Uh, really is. No, it really is. <laughs> mafioso rules are in, are, are in place where if you get into power because I helped you with it, then you, you have to me. help me later. Yeah. Right? Well, that's, the best one of that is um, I'm reading a biography on Sh- William Sherman. And if, you know, they were that's always. old Bill. Yeah. And they were always. I, I don't know who it is. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. No, uh, you know, the old Civil War general that burned Atlanta to the ground. Oh, the guy the, the tank is named after. Yeah, Sherman okay. Tank. General they, Sherman. They wanted him to, there was people that were pushing him to run for president. Hmm. His statement was, I will not run if nominated and will not, oh wait, what was it? Yeah, I will not run if nominated and will not lead if, if elected. Uh, because if elected, he knew, I will not serve. If elected, I will not serve. He, because he knew... He was a military man. He was used to do this, and it got done. And he knew that's not how like government works. Like our, he couldn't I mean, get if away you with that. Shit. Like our own governor's resume, it's not very impressive. But how do you get in there, uh, Daddy? I was going to say, wasn't his dad some big I mean, really, New York politics? I if I remember, if I was debating him, the first thing I do was governor. Number one, I'm going to use this word one because as soon as I create one job, I've done more than you've ever done creating a job. <laughs> Unless I want to spend seventy million dollars to get what fifteen jobs at that one place. Oh my oh, goodness. God, that was well. Yeah, that was so. What's the solution? I mean, we we have brought up an awful lot of problems in New York State. What's the solution? Move to a different country. I, that could I be a solution debate, for us, right? Sir, I'm more and more debate moving to a different state because it gets to the point where I love, and I love the place. You've said this yourself. Oh, I love West. State. I love upstate yeah. New York. But how much more can? It's like almost being in a bad relationship. Where okay, this person's. I'm going to give him another chance. I'm going to give him another chance. <laughs> right. The Saturday night sex give is him amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, damn it! I want to get rid of it, but 
Damn those waffles they make. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I want to get rid of it. Now nah, I'll give them one more chance. This time it'll be really different. And then, oh, come on. And the thing is, the longer you go with the chances, eventually something really And I'm not the only one. What's happening? our state? How much population is it lost? And how much is they saying they're going to lose? Oh, Christ. It's been a, it's been an exodus out of New York lately, hasn't it? It has. It's had. It, 100,000 people. And oh. these Orwellian like ads from the governor about how we're prospering. It's like the least business-friendly state in the nation. But we're prospering. New York business. New York business. The government is prospering just fine in New York State. Even though they're getting some shit from the people who are here now, they're still prospering. However, business is not. Business is having a really hard run here in the state. I hate to say it, but one of the things I always thought of in terms is you need a candidate who is not willing to not mind spending his own money and gets the message out. Because the only way, in some ways... That, that avoids the funding issue, and it cuts through all them. Well, did you, uh, speaking of that, uh, Jesse Ventura, the former governor of Minnesota and professional wrestler, did not take political donations hmm. because he didn't want anybody to feel like they owned him. Nice. But he would market himself. They would have dolls and they had shirts. Our governor yeah. could beat up your governor. Yeah, but he would say, <laughs> you know, you can give me, you know, he would only accept donations of $100 or less because, as he put it, what the hell can you get for $100 in government? Nothing. Right. Nothing at all. Yeah. So he wasn't, you know, all these people coming in, well, here's $50,000, but, and he was having none of it. He shut it all down. It's like, that's that actually is, kind of that's brilliant. That's big problem. We offer, we can complain about a lot of things, but. The hardest thing is, how do we fix them? And I think, really, he's one at a time. It's like you start local, go up a little, because that's where you can make the biggest impact. I think that's true. And I think it's a little bit bigger idea as well. You know, this is, goes back to something you just said a few minutes ago, Zach, and that was when, whose job is it? Somebody throws the trash at the garbage can and it misses. It's not my job to pick it up. I think we've lost resourcefulness as a, as a people. The American people grew up with resourcefulness. You did not rely on the government for anything. It wasn't there. It was almost non-existent for most people's lives. And also, not only that, but it was looked as a part-time thing. Like, you got in, it wasn't a career. Absolutely. George Washington, when he was president, spent most of his time on Mount Vernon. He didn't pop in there a lot. Yeah. And, And the reality is that when people are pressed to do something, they look to another party to do it. They look to another entity to take care of whatever problem was in front of them. My grass is too long. Who's going to mow it? your responsibility i have to pay my bills who's paying those it's your responsibility how do you get these things done as a people if resourcefulness is gone and i think that we need to start teaching resourcefulness to our friends and family and neighbors so that they don't think that the job is somebody else well that's else's. what you ever read tocqueville's democracy book where he said that how long do you think america would last he said well a couple centuries because once the people in democracy realize they can vote themselves all the money out of their treasury they're going to do so and it's like okay i'm entitled and they turn remember they turn welfare and everything down it's entitlements mm. but it becomes okay health care something like that okay you have a heart attack or something make sure you get treatment all of a sudden oh i have a sneeze and i'm gonna to have to pay i'm entitled to pay for that and it goes down that slippery slope very quickly. Yeah. That period of a few short because years. now the ER is basically being treated like a waiting room. Yeah, I'm entitled to this, and all of a sudden, <coughs> now it becomes, okay, what is it really a necessity to live? Food, shelter? No, I need my cable. Yeah, you, that's the thing. All these people, oh, I need my cell phone. And then I need look, my it's cable. All, it's I need all my about internet. money. No, it's all don't. these different things coming in wanting a piece of the pie. <clears throat> 
there's many people talking nowadays about how you can't make it on lower wages. And I think that making it on lower wages has always been difficult. It's never been easy. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 25 years ago, people didn't grow up, grow up expecting to have the $1,000 smartphone or the $120 a month cable bill. <clears throat> they didn't expect to that they must own a car. It was something that you earned most of the time. And the reality is when people get up today as youth and they get into the world, they can't make it on their twelve seventy-five an hour because they need to afford their, every time a new iPhone comes out, they need to have it. They need to have a $120 a month cable bill. They need the $12 a month Netflix bill because they've got to have their television. Of course, I saw they have one, the, okay, one night I just went some stupid show on TV and I'm sort of doing something else. I had on you background leave, noise. You leave America. But it was like a, a it was like a it was like a <laughs> it was like a car dealer show and they had this woman on and I've never gotten a car over ten thousand in my life. I get what works and I try to so and I run them into the ground. This woman on there she was looking around, there's all these perfectly fine cars. She there was a sixty thousand dollar car she couldn't afford, but she's gonna get like massively in debt, but she had to have it. Hmm. No, and and that that decision probably affected her for the next decade in her financial life. And I look at people, why? Why don't you spend lots of money on cars? It's like, dude, well, what are you paying a month? Uh, you know what I'm paying a month. Uh. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's like really, other than the aesthetics, what is the you know what is the difference between like a Honda Civic and a Ferrari? It gets you where you need to go. Well, the other thing about that is too is like I've written a lot. Like I've read a lot of business things where they tell you that. Where they tell you that. One of the other things I've heard a lot of people say. One of the things you should do is just if you're in a big city, don't get a car. No, you don't have to get insurance. You have to pay for the car. Just take public transportation or walk. But then there, therein lies the issue of what if your city, like Rochester, has shit public transport? Well, there's Uber and Lyft. Uh, Yeah, but for how much longer with how they're going? Well, we'll see. You know, it's interesting that we're at the lowest level of new car sales in the nation today for the last several years. And two of the reasons that have been cited were Uber and Lyft because it's very inexpensive to take one of those rideshare services a few blocks away as opposed to owning a vehicle to drive 12 blocks. That's very true. Yeah. And so that's, that's a market solution to not owning a car. Interesting libertarian issue. No, that's the thing. Somebody found, somebody saw the need and filled it. But I think also and one of the things is, it. and mm-hmm. actually that's one of the things too, no, is I think tanking. there's so much, if you go against the, the grain, the, the so-called orthodoxy, I think they try to shut you down or heckle you or anything else because Bad. they don't want to lose their power. Mm-hmm. And we have a corrupt, basically corrupt oligarchy in my view. Now I'm starting to sound conspiratorial. Excellent but, use of oligarchy, by the way. But I think it is. It's, an, it's not a democracy. It's like it's an oligarchy no, in a lot of ways. It really isn't because we can't directly vote on a lot of shit that gets passed. And yeah. isn't the te- the the base definition of democracy is that the and every people, time I the see it's like okay, what I ask don't. is where's the money go? It's not about protecting. It's not about this. It's like where's the money go? Where's the money go? Where's the money go? Right. Where does it go? Well, it, it, I don't think it's an oligarchy at this point, but I do think it's a lot of crony capitalism. Uh, you know, no, that's the term I use all the time. People, well, a capital, no, not real capitalism, crony capitalism. Yeah. We, we as a country don't practice capitalism. We practice mostly crony capitalism. There's, you know, if you're talking about small business, somebody owns an ice cream shop, they're not buying off a lawmaker anywhere. However, if it's a large national company and they want to have their offices here in New York, 
and gotta, they're gonna say you, you need to give us politicians, right? you know? <laughs> you know, you know, back to school Rodney Dangerfield Amazon comes in and says we need 70 billion dollars oh we don't think that's enough we're going elsewhere that that sort of gift would never go to a business that was already in existence in New York State no absolutely not especially a small business right yeah that's don't have you heard Bauman complain about that enough? I can hear him from Erie right now. <laughs> Those sons of bitches! That poor guy having to navigate the New York State governmental affairs to, to get the business registered and up and running. Oh, How that's dare. awful. How dare you want to try to thing. better yourself in friends, our state by One of my friends people. was sort of debating this with his son. He's saying about how people are just fake and everything. His son said, no, you know what's happened? We've lowered our standards. What do you think about that? Is there truth in that? Or uh, Explain a little bit more. For well, that's me, what Rob. he just said. He said the problem with society now, we just lowered our expectations and standards. For example, like say you go to the store and you're at checkout. I had a woman there waiting for her M&Ms playing with her phone while she's checking people out talking. Mm. And I think at a lot of stores, you'd have people... Before the, you're out of here, you know, do your job. Now we just actually, you, I told you about my sandwich incident in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, it was. I went to a place, not going to say the name, to get a sandwich. This girl was not paying attention to me, just putting on whatever she wanted. I'm allergic to seafood. She's putting tuna on there, and she just throws it at me. And I said, I'm not paying for this. So the manager comes over. Is there a problem? I said, Yeah, your employee did not make my order correctly. I'm not paying for this. Well, sir, she's trying her best. <laughs> that was it's about performance. That it's was not about literally trying. the response that he gave me. Hmm. So I knocked it on the floor and I said, "Well, she can try to clean it up." Nice. And walked away. Yeah, because and you're right. A lot of people are like, "Well, she is trying," and I think that's probably what you, what they meant is that we're we're more tolerant of a lot of bullshit, a lot more bullshit. So it goes back to the Antoinetta story. They shut their business down for the summer so they can prepare their staff for fall business and get people trained and hired to do that business without lowering their standards that they have agreed to provide their customers over time, correct? And so the reality is that if they wanted to get a higher quality team member on their team, maybe they'd have to pay more to do that. However... If you go to Antoinette's and you buy lasagna for fourteen ninety nine, and I don't know what the cost of lasagna there Probably is. Probably around there. <laughs> so fourteen ninety nine for a dinner of lasagna, and they're paying twelve bucks an hour to their team, plus a perhaps a server wage, which is lower, like a tipped wage. If they were to pay more money, they would have to charge more money for the lasagna. So, who of us is willing to go and pay twenty three ninety nine for the same lasagna so that they can have a higher quality team member? And I think that the answer is not many of us. It, there will be a percentage of people to do it. I don't think there'll be enough of a percentage to keep them in business. And so it goes down to the standards that you're talking about. Do we continue to provide the same level of service for the same price that we have been charging over time? Or do we change our prices and hire a higher quality team member? Do you remember the old Saturday Night Live skit with the Jimmy Carter? Said, yeah, inflation. The bread will cost $100,000, but who cares? We'll all be millionaires. <laughs> Perfect point. Yeah. But there's another. And I think, again, we could go on. We could do one show with all, with if we ever get the Toad yeah, guys back, about government back. waste and everything. And one of my things is all these, and I think one of the things about academia that they said is a lot of these people get out and they have 
no skills, anything else. So they, the, the establishment provides jobs for them. So we had a thing by our local media where they decided to cure poverty in the, in, in the area, and they did nothing. They had an anti-poverty campaign. They got a guy, paid him, some academic paid him over 230 grand. The results, the big thing was, how can we cure poverty? They came up with, we're going to paint nine encouraging murals around the city. And they're blowing oh, our money. This sake. is a, the, the number one. Why don't they pay for it? And now they're going to go after trying to fix our schools. Hmm. Why do we fund this crap? Well, how many more murals is it going to take to fix the public school system? I think we see them, too. Oh, I've definitely, but, I know what you're talking that's about. That's again about them. what some of your money is going for crap like this. And and the thing is, they fail, they fail, they fail. And all these people, you could look at their positions and look at their history of failure. And they're still got a job. I know one, like a one of the good old public sort of things, found out the person they hired, he, he, drive, he drove every business he was in before that in the ground, yet he got another job. Hmm. Well. Whoever hires that person deserves what they get. But they're, they're used to getting the, the money, you know, the public funds. That's the problem. It's not like they're held to a thing where, look, you're either going to do well or you're going to go under. Right. There's no there's no rock bottom in that aspect, as it were, because they're just going to keep getting what they want. So there's no motivation for them to continually improve and find out a, and find better ways to, you know, to, to become more efficient. And, because they're going to get their money no matter what. It's sad because in in the real market, there's incentive for improving things, right? You have higher sales, you have you have right. better products, you have better uh, penetration of the market. And Apple's a perfect example of that, where they have been cannibalistic of their own products. Creative destruction is what you yeah. called it earlier, Rob. Well, I read it in an economics book. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, they've creatively destroyed previous product to replace it with a new and better product, and. At first, it was not a very intuitive concept for most people. However, what do we have today? I received an Apple product two weeks ago, opened the box up. The packaging on this product was absolutely spectacular. The computer that I opened up, a MacBook Air, was just in pristine condition. I mean, it's brand new. It should be in pristine condition. But it was very, very clear that this company took care of making this product. That's why I like like, my Amazon and some other stores now where I just pop on the Internet Order my thing, go pick it up, and they send it to me, and I have no complaints. <laughs> but remember, in this era, say I order a pizza, and I order, what do you like on your pizza usually? I All sorts of things. Let's go pepperoni, mushroom sausage, okay. and extra cheese. Well, I'm not going to repeat Damn, I kind of want that for dinner. <laughs> I'm not gonna. So I get that, so <laughs> I get it delivered. So they show up, they give it to me, I open them up, it's uh, nothing Angelis. on it but cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Yeah. So am I supposed to say... Well, they tried. I'm not like, going to complain. Well, the guy drove all the way here. You know. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be upset no, about getting cinnamon rolls. No, no. <laughs> I did steal that from sort of real life because one time we were in the drive-thru at a place, and I think we ordered, like, the burgers. We got away, and we got cinnamon bites. Or the one, the one time. They, they fuck they, you at the drive-thru. Yeah, somebody came back <laughs> from. some the weapon. One of my friends came back from the drive-thru. Opened up his double cheeseburger and it was a spoonful of fried onions. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's, that was in the damn. But do you know, like, if anybody lunch. would complain yeah. to like a place like that and say, "Well, you know, this was or this was has nothing on it," but they tried their best. <laughs> Sir, you don't seem to understand that our employees are held to the highest standards of trying. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that at work now. Please feel free. But I think we I have like to. Hold. We also we have to do things like that. Like if you get really bad service or something, like put it on Yelp. 
Don't and, patronize the place. And that's what I've always said. Know. People need to be held accountable because how else are they going to learn? If they continue to do something very poorly and nobody says anything, they're not going to improve. Correct. And if one person says something to a service person, yeah. as an example, say, you don't do your job well and this is why, and then they walk away, that service person might think, well, that's only one person. Screw that guy. Yeah. Right? But if they hear it from 25 people, maybe they'll get the hint that they need to improve the process. Right. I've gotten to the point, literally, I'll call for a manager these days. Like, for example, fast food place I was at that actually does very good service by me. I actually call the manager because I want to compliment the people because I don't think they hear enough of that. That's the thing. How often do you call the manager to give a compliment? Mm-hmm. Not very. They hear, can I speak to the manager? They think, oh, this guy's going to bitch about something. And a pleasant surprise when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but as always, as always, we're, we're continuing as we search for him. The spirit of Bowman of being so happy and cheery. And yeah, but <laughs> I have done that. I have called a, a manager, and she, this poor girl at the checkout line, she did a, one a fantastic job because I'm always the one I put stuff in the order that I would like it in the bag. You know, the softer stuff near the back so it doesn't get smushed by the you know the two liters. <laughs> you know, I'm not putting the whole you know the whole roasted chicken next to the ice cream oh good idea but she was like do you want me to and she was asking how i wanted it bagged and this and that i wasn't like the one that's like where's the watermelon or oh it's on top of the eggs yeah exactly (laughs) and i and i said you know she is doing a fantastic job and she's like i've never had anybody say that and i was like well that's that's a damn shame you have to relate just one before we move close it up before people start saying where's jeff (laughs) you guys are much nicer, but yeah. you have to tell the one restaurant story about the croutons. Oh, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. This place is still open. <laughs> and it's hear, doing business. One, this is we just... stop at this restaurant, <clears throat> and it's an Italian place. Ordered, a, ordered, you know, start with a salad. Lettuce. And ranch dressing. <laughs> That's it. It's a salad. It's yeah, basic, it's right? It's like, okay, that's not a huge deal. They haven't been open long. person I was with ordered garlic pasta. It came with croutons in it. The goddamn <laughs> salad didn't have croutons in it, but the pasta did. And then, for dessert, I was like, oh, I'm getting a, a tiramisu. Out comes a margarita glass with what appeared to be very... Poor quality melted ice cream. Oh boy. With a burned Crisco twill <laughs> and coffee grounds. Yeah. I and it's like, you know what? I got to the point. I was laughing. I was like, you know what? Never going to this place again. I tell people to stay away from it. It's still <laughs> goddamn there. That's too bad. But that's one of the ones. We'll have an episode sometime, like a weird restaurant story. Oh, man. We got There's going to be some good ones. But one of the things we'll sort of end on is always you'll be back soon, I'm sure, and causing more trouble. And <laughs> if we find Bauman. Hopefully we'll find him. And well, ho- yeah. If he's not avoiding us. Well, if he gets back in the state, it's like, oh, you're hypocrisy. Oh, you don't want to build a wall down there, but you'll build one. Oh, but then the problem is, it's probably, we want to keep that guy out. And a lot of people probably say, well, him? Okay, I can see it a little bit. <laughs> Poor Bowman. But Hi, one of, Jeff. One of the fun shows, this. Uh, any good shows you're going to see this summer? Any concerts you're kicking ass? I'm going to see you Volbeat in Sturgis, South Dakota Ooh. in August. I'm kind of excited about that. Is it Floggy Molly and Social Distortion coming? Yeah, I 
They will be, is it Buffalo? I think they're coming to Buffalo. I was going to say, what, Flogging Molly coming to Rochester again? Yeah, I love that band. They are fantastic. Any Scorps news? They're touring Europe right now, and they're, they are uh, setting up dates later in the summer for Brazil, which I would love to see the Scorpions in Brazil. That would I'd be just love fantastic. to see Brazil. Well, well I want to see I mean, the, the, the Scorpions no. would be icing on the cake. Right? I want to see somebody. the band, the Scorpions. I don't want to see any Scorpions in well, Brazil. That's a fair point. Right. Well, I'm actually going to go see Alice Cooper at Hailstones. <laughs> I've seen him a few times. Fantastic show. The thing was, they had, it was something called the Concert Week, Concert Appreciation Week, so I got the tickets really cheap, too. Nice. That's awesome. That's fantastic. The last time I saw him, he came out on stage, and the first song and a half that he was playing, he acted like an old man. He moved like an old man. Well, he is an old man. <laughs> right. Well, but after song, like song two was all the way through, and he started song three, it was like, Bam! All of a the sudden, right well, I guess in, he gets yeah. right into character too. I guess he says nobody talks to him before the show. He mm-hmm. transforms into Alice, <laughs> and then he goes and plays golf. Yeah, it's a great show, though. He got us. I, I have heard that he is, that he is a phenomenal show. But that's hopefully Scorps will come around. That'd be great if you saw him in Brazil. I don't think I'm getting there this year, Rob. I would love to, but uh... I didn't want to either. <laughs> but the one thing on your travels before we go too, just a little lightheartedness. Have you found any interesting cuisine, like, when you were down south and everything? Because I know, like, when you've gone to the conferences. I was oh, in yeah. North Carolina a few weeks back and went to Gus's Chicken in Charlotte. No, I'm sorry. That was Memphis. I was in Memphis Charlotte. several weeks yeah. ago. I've heard of Gus's Chicken. Gus's Chicken. It was the most amazing fried chicken I have ever eaten in my life. It was absolutely You ever have Church's Chicken when you're down there? I never have. I was in South Carolina, and... I didn't really feel like eating at the hotel. So I got in the car and drove around, and I see Church's Chicken. I'm like, all right. And I go in there, and damn, that was good fried chicken. And they didn't understand my fascination with chicken and waffles. They're like, why do people in the North know about that? Like, how do people in the North know about that? That's a Southern thing. Well, like hush puppies. I didn't have any of those. But definitely chicken and waffles. I had that when I was in Memphis two days before Gus's, and... I thought the waffle was okay. The, the chicken was spectacular. I did not have bad fried chicken in Memphis. I think I think you're actually kicked out of the state if you have bad fried chicken in, in <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, but but we will have talk a lot about those. There's always more stuff to talk about unless this world changes. So. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. Otherwise, yeah. so we won't. We can't play it. But if you could play a Scorpion song, what would you play? The zoo. <laughs> Zoo's great. Love big city nights. Uh, the there's just my favorite song is it was about the uh, Jimi Hendrix death and his former girlfriend wrote wrote the poem uh, which then Uli John Roth who was the lead guitarist for Scorps back in 71 I think it was and he wrote the song called We'll Burn the Sky that is my favorite Scorpion Mm. song uh, of all time it's just an absolutely spectacular song the funny thing is that if you watch the video of them playing live and watch Klaus Meining, the lead singer, dance, that's basically how I dance. It's a complete spaz out. <laughs> I have no rhythm whatsoever, and he was, like, well, flailing his arms. There you go. <laughs> one Find that one on YouTube and watch that. Didn't he play the game with you with the, the tambourine the one time? Yeah, yeah, he was going to throw it to me, and then he's, he just shook his head and said, I'm, I'm not going to throw it and to you. And note to Klaus, Rudy, <laughs> and everybody, we talked about you, we promoted you, we didn't play your music. Yeah, so I'll get a copyright claim from everybody else, but not you guys. <laughs> no, come on, we'll all do. We're not worthy. Right. <laughs> but thanks a lot, man. Hey, John, good fun. seeing you again.
Thank we'll you very you, much. We'll Appreciate see you again soon. And how can you get ah, plugs, plugs, ear plugs, yeah, hair plugs? Plug? Uh, well, number one, about how libertarian stuff, if you think you're interested hearing about it, give it a listen. Where can you get a little old information from them? Well, you can, you can search uh, Larry Sharp, New York. You can search Andrew Hollister. You can search uh, just basically Libertarian Party of New York State. You can search Libertarian Party for the U.S. You can get an awful lot of information there. Reason. Dot com Cato. has Cato, uh, all libertarian organizations. Reason.com has some absolutely fantastic podcasts. Cato's got some really incredible blog posts and videos. They really get into the meat. Find of... some Kane, Glenn Jacobs speeches, too. Oh. They're, they're really good, seriously. He's good. He's good. He, he is and the thing and is, he doesn't again, reference wrestling, except the at the beginning. And the thing about it is, just give it a listen and see what you think. You may like something. You may not. But open your mind to it. Think about how things are. But the thing is, regardless if you go that way or not, at least it's another viewpoint. Think about like wherever you live, Mm -hmm. wherever you live. Look at your politicians and go. How many years have you been in office? Has my neighborhood gotten better or worse? (laughs) Zach, I think that the reality is that you know other viewpoints really aren't good. Isn't that the message? (laughs) Oh wait, no, that's right. That's what they tell us. My viewpoint, good. Your viewpoint, (laughs) your viewpoint. How's it going in the anything? Ribbon cuttings, anything fun for like openings, pizza stuff? Uh, well, it, it oh, they'll, they'll plus also if you have a pothole, <laughs> you want it filled, paving for pizza, pavingforpizza.com. <laughs> Vote for your town. Voting is actually over, but you can call your local Domino's and find out if they're able to sponsor a paving for pizza locally. We go. actually just acquired 14 new stores in New York State. Are they pizza places? Uh, or other the franchise stores? that I work for, <laughs> they are pizza places. They're they were Domino's, they're now Domino's again. And uh, I was happily in Ithaca onboarding a new team yesterday. Last week I was in Utica and Rome. And the other parts of the team were up in Watertown and Fort Drum. So expanding the company. Oh, the other thing. How, name. Did, how did that opening go in Fairport a bit back? Or is it by Fairport, East Rochester? Yeah, 785 Fairport Road in the village of East Rochester. That store's doing well. Uh, we're happy to be there. You know, our former enemy closed their location there. <laughs> We negotiated, Gee, I who that was. we negotiated with the landlord and took over that position, and uh, we're very happy to be in, in East Rochester and Fairport area. But thanks for making pizza great again. Yeah, thank you. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and there, and you heard the scorpions, but you didn't hear the scorpions. You heard about them, but you didn't us. hear them. Hey, Jeff, wherever you are, Try, I'm cl- sure you're not missed by a lot of the officials yeah. here. Climb, see climb the wall. <laughs> see ya. And on that note, all right, gentlemen, thanks again. We'll see you later. Thank you. See ya.